faster. Must go faster. Must go faster. Go, 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 go. Good morning and welcome to episode 160 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I'm Sam Miller with Ben Lindbergh. Ben Lindbergh, how are you? Well, we're finishing the week on a multiple of five. I, I couldn't be better. <laughs> You're giddy. <laughs> so, you were, you've been so excited all day to so record this podcast, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Just, just so much joy in your heart when you called me today and said, it's time to do the podcast. <laughs> yep. Um, so, uh, we're ending the week. We're going to talk about, um, Tim Linscombe and see where that goes, I guess. Uh, I think, uh, did you and I both watch the Tim Linscombe versus Mark Kotze at bat that, that Grant Frisbee chronicled? Yes. Did you actually read through there? Did you mm-hmm. just reply? Yes. So, um, so Grant Frisbee of McCovey Chronicles, uh, highlighted a particular at bat between Linscombe and Mark Kotze, in which Linscombe looks, uh, other than the short hair, remarkably like old Tim Linscombe. He throws a tight slider, or I guess probably a curve. He throws a 94-mile-an-hour fastball, uh, which is really bringing it. And then he throws a 93, and then he throws a 92, and then he throws a absolutely vintage Tim, Tim Lincecum split slash change up. Strikes out Kotze. Uh, there's every reason to not take this too seriously. Uh, most of the words that I've used, for instance, uh, came after I said Mark Kotze, at which <laughs> right. point you might have stopped listening. Uh, and of course, it's spring training. The fact that it um, was Kotze made me. Uh take it less seriously somehow even though the the stuff was good it could have been yeah. no one standing there at the plate throwing those well, pitches and that would have been still sort of impressive but the fact that Katze was there kind of took away from the accomplishment you know I, I one time wrote a post um for the Orange County Register about who the worst player in baseball was and um this was maybe I don't know maybe a year ago and it was like, you know, Suyoshi Nishioka and like Sean Figgins. I mean, there was like a, a long list of players you could vote for. And one of the players was Mark Kotze. And the commenters just were furious at me. It was like, no, no, there were like, like a, a dozen comments and 10 or 11 of them were anger at me, including Mark Kotze, <laughs> which seems weird because Mark Kotze might be the worst player in baseball. I mean, it's How shocking. How the poll results for Mark Kotze? Uh, they were low, but I think it might be because Mark Kotze is a local guy. And so mm-hmm. I might've, um, irritated some of the casual mm-hmm. or anyway. So, uh, yeah, I mean, all these pitches though, the hitter is irrelevant. They looked good. 94 is really something. I mean, Linscombe averaged, uh, 90 miles an hour last year with his fastball. He, he hasn't averaged 94 since 2008. He hasn't averaged 93 since 2008. And, um, you know, he might not average 93 this year, but it's, uh, I don't remember him throwing many 94 mile an hour pitches last year. No. I wonder, I don't know. I, who even knows if the gun is right? Maybe he right. was really Yeah, there's that. Different. I mean, I was, I read Keith Law's report. Uh, I think it was the day before, or I, I don't know, I guess it was, uh, he was reporting about Tuesday night, his outing on Tuesday night against the Padres. So it's the same game. And his headline was Tim Lincecum's fastball still failing him. Uh, and said his stuff was about where it was last year. He was mostly 90 to 91. 
hitting a few 92s, but nothing higher that Keith saw. Um, and Keith probably has his own gun or was sitting in the scout section and, and peeking at other people's guns. So uh, he wouldn't have seen the, the TV reading that we were seeing in Grant's post. So I don't know uh, if that is reliable or not. It looked pretty good, at least to me. <laughs> but Yeah, but we only saw five pitches. So yes. I guess there's, there's two things about this. Uh, one of them is that there's sort of echoes of the exercise we did with, with Roy Halladay last year, which the question we asked was how far can a pitcher drop in our, in our estimation with one bad year. Linscombe finished uh, sixth in Cy Young voting in 2011. He's, he received votes every year of his career up to that point. I think probably um, maybe the, he, he would have maybe been the fourth or fifth best pitcher in the national league, maybe in people's estimations going into last season. Um, and I guess in a way that, um, I guess in a, maybe in a way that I, I didn't even feel about Halliday, uh, when we talked about him last year, there is sort of a sense that Linska might actually be, uh, just permanently done that, that this, that, you know, that was his career path that he was great early flamed out young and that he's basically like Matt Morris on, with a, you know, with a higher peak, mm-hmm. um, and, and so I guess that's the first question is uh, how where would you rank him among National League pitchers or among Major League pitchers uh, and like I guess somewhat uh, Giants pitchers for that matter among well yeah I mean he's probably four uh, he, he would have been well he lost his spot in the rotation in the postseason last year for instance mm-hmm. uh, and I think that probably most Giants fans would would put him fourth although acknowledging that he has the upside for much better um, I mean his his um, season last year almost feels so damning that you actually need to get another pitcher to have around in mm-hmm. case he does it again. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it seems to me that he's fallen a lot more than I thought Halliday had fallen. Now, Halliday, anytime, if it's, a, if it's an arm issue, if it's a shoulder issue or something like that, then you reevaluate. Injuries are different. But just in terms of goodness, he went from being very good to very poor and it doesn't feel like people expect much redemption out of him at this point no i guess not i mean over the off season or even during last season you would read the the sort of cookie cutter sabermetric posts that would look at lincecum's peripherals and say that he's been unlucky because he's giving up more home runs per fly ball or he has a higher babbit um and then there were the ones that maybe went a little deeper than that and sort of speculated that his location was off, and so his his BABIP was higher because he was leaving everything over the middle of the plate, which seemed to be the case. I think Jeff Zimmerman wrote something at, at Fangraphs about the fact that Lincecum is not or was not pitching on the edge of the zone at all. He was just kind of in the center, and so you'd sort of expect him to get hit hard. Uh, and then, of course, there's the velocity, which was discouraging. Um, so I don't know if you look at Lincecum's Coda's projection, or Halliday's for that matter, I think they're both very optimistic and project bounce backs because Picota doesn't know that they seem to have lost their stuff and are not fundamentally the same pitcher. Uh, so I'm not, I mean, I don't think anyone ex- is expecting uh, a return to Cy Young Lincecum. I think even Grant in that post, the most optimistic thing he said that was maybe he could be 2011 Lincecum again. Um, which I guess is is more realistic, but 
if he is only throwing 90-91, then I don't know if that is realistic unless uh, he can continue to evolve and succeed with, with a lower velocity. But for a right-hander, that is not so good. Well, we've talked, I, I hope that I can say this, but we've talked at, at BP about, um, you know, just sort of uh, brainstorming different ways, different different data that might make Pakoda even better. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you've suggested is um, pitch FX data, and in particular, fastball velocity. Mm-hmm. And it seems like in cases like this, that would be really relevant. Um, and I, I remind me, I've, I think it, when you wrote about the Nationals, uh, high velocity starters at the beginning of the year last year, mm-hmm. you, you cited um, something about how each mile per hour added or lost sort of correlates yeah. to yeah i don't remember the exact stuff it was from a, a mike fast uh hardball times article where he just quantified what the difference in strikeout rate and era and everything is that if you lose a certain amount of velocity or gain a certain amount so one of the things i wanted to to do this off season that i never got to writing about was looking and maybe somebody has done this but looking at um fastball velocity and seeing whether it is a thing that trends downward or upward, or if it's a thing that regresses to the mean. So basically, if if you have a guy who throws 93, 93, 93 for three years and then throws 89 the next year, mm-hmm. is he more likely to go 89 or lower, or is he more likely to go 91, 92, basically regressing to his career averages, as you would expect for almost any results-based statistic? Mm-hmm. And I don't know the answer to that, but it feels, I think that the assumption is usually that uh, you don't get velocity back, that um, fast, that fastball velocity is something more akin to speed or defense, where it's a fairly straight line down, and all you're really talking about is what pace it's going to go down, and that there's not a lot of uh, spikes. Um, I guess defense is a bad example in this case, but there's not a lot of, uh, you know, spike, spiky action. It's, it's much more of a straight line. And I don't, uh, the reason that I, uh, wanted to look at it was for Dan Heron, but it also would apply to, to a lot of pitchers. It would apply to Felix Hernandez. It would apply to, um, to Halliday. It would apply to Tim Lincecum. Um, when a pitcher loses three or four miles an hour or two miles an hour or one mile an hour, do you generally hold any hope that that's, not, uh, you know, just a step along the way to, to 86? I think uh, Bill Petty has done some research on that, and there was, a, I don't remember all of his conclusions, but there was a post yesterday at Beyond the Box Score about how Lincecum will bounce back, uh, and it was just sort of looking at his peripherals and his luck indicators uh, and saying that he would be better, um, and Bill left a comment on that post saying Lincecum will likely work off an average fastball velocity below 90 miles per hour this year based on what we know about velocity decline and subsequent velocity. That's not good for a right-handed pitcher. Uh, so I, th- I think it's closer to um, what you say about if you lose it, you're probably not going to get much of it back and maybe you'll lose even a little more. Uh, and speaking of Halliday, he seems to have lost a little more uh, this spring. And of course, there are always those caveats with spring training data. You don't know that a pitcher is throwing as hard as he possibly can. And even if he is throwing as hard as he possibly can, uh, he's he's not stretched out and warmed up yet. And the weather is not warm. And there is a trend, of course, uh, for fastball velocity to increase 
as the season goes on. But Halliday, um, I'm looking at a story on his latest outing from Thursday, uh, and it says his fastball ranged from 84 to 88 miles per hour in that outing, with one scout estimating that he averaged about 85 miles per hour. Uh, and he was, I think he was down around 91 or so at the end of last year, um, which was down, I think, close to two miles per hour from his previous season, but seems to have gotten much, much worse if that, if that holds up. Uh, and you have the Phillies assuring reporters that he is fine, which is not something that you ever really want to read. Especially after last year, they assured us everything was fine with Halliday, and and Halliday was, as I recall, very kind of defensive about it, and uh, like kind of aggressively defensive about it when people mentioned his velocity last spring and mentioned his poor results last spring. I mean, normally it's best to ignore those results, and probably Halliday was right that last year we should have ignored those results, and yet it uh, kind of chips away at the credibility a little bit in this case, maybe. Yeah, so 2008, 2009, and 2010 Cy Young Award winners, uh, those two. And now it's 2013, and we're, I guess, people are worried about whether they can hold a rotation spot at all, let alone be aces anymore. Um, So I, I always try to remember things like this the next time it seems like there is some Roy Halladay type pitcher who is just dominant and throwing 200 innings every year uh, and doesn't get hurt and gets everyone out for several seasons in a row. And it seems like that will continue indefinitely, but it never does. Yeah, even a guy like Halladay who has that kind of you know, efficient motion and doesn't throw super hard and seems like a horse and seems durable and in great shape and quite a competitor and all these things. And, and yet it's all, uh, you know, it's all little tiny strings in there, little tiny, tiny threads holding it all together. So, uh, Linscombe's a free agent after next year. Let's say that you're the giants and Linscombe's agent comes to you and says, I want to talk about an extension right now. Uh, what's your, what's your offer to him? I I don't know if I would want to talk about it now. Well, I mean, like you know, he assures you that he won't be insulted by any offer. So <laughs> you could you could offer him the minimum if you want to. What, mm-hmm. But what's you know what what is the floor for what you offer? <sighs> Man, I mean, he's making what twenty two million this year. Yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, gosh, it's almost like you can't be sure that he's a viable starter at this point and I don't know I just I feel like there's maybe no I wouldn't want to insult him by offering by by just lowballing him and and offering him some tiny tiny number that he almost certainly wouldn't agree to anyway you're 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 insulting him now by not giving him an (laughs) offer by not treating him with the respect that he asked for he he just asked for for you to consider it Mm. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I would just. I'd go. I'd go. I would. I would. I would happily offer three and thirty-five. I would happily offer him a Jeremy Guthrie contract right now. Huh? Really? I don't. I'm, know if I would. I'm pretty. I, I'm pretty. For years. I, I, yeah, I'm pretty bullish on him. I think relative to the norm, but I mean that's still fairly pessimistic. I mean, I don't think that he would take that, and I don't think that. 
that would have even been thinkable a year ago. Um, I mean, certainly if he has any kind of a bounce back year at all, he's in line for five and 75 at least, mm-hmm. and maybe more. I mean, it would not, it, he doesn't have to do much to match Anibal Sanchez's season last year, and he's got a lot better background than Anibal Sanchez. Well, I'd offer him at least uh, what the Dodgers gave Brandon League, because we know mm-hmm. he can be a pretty good reliever uh, yep. based on, on last postseason. So what was that, 327 or something? I'll... I think it was 3 and 22.5. Mm. Okay, well. Unless I'm confusing him with Broxton. Well, I will give him Brandon League uh, and maybe a little more for his multiple Cy Young Award wins in the past. All right. This All is right, uh, one of the most depressing podcast episodes ever. I, I wish we could leave people on a, a positive note, but I don't, I don't have one. We could outro with like that Black Eyed Peas song about the weekend coming. <laughs> you remember that? Yes. From, like <laughs> before they were the worst. <laughs> hmm. With Macy Gray. <laughs> Macy Gray might have been in that song. Yeah. <laughs> well, we don't have the rights to that song, so we can't do that. Oh. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'll see you later. Bye.